the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Welcome to another edition of the Spot Track Podcast. My name is Mike Gennetti. It's Monday, March 27th. It's going to be an NFL show today. It's going to be a baseball show Wednesday, and we are uh, officially trending toward that craziness in sports time, right? The NBA playoffs are coming. The NHL playoffs are coming. The baseball season is upon us in three days. So we'll be doing plenty of bouncing around. I'm going to focus on some more off-season discussions, storylines. I just posted a piece to SpotTrack.com that runs through every single NFL team. One ad, one subtraction, one storyline. I kept it kind of sweet and succinct as much as possible. Uh, You know, some of them have layers. Some of them are (laughs) nobody because unfortunately there's a few teams that have not yet truly invested in this NFL league year. And some, in some cases it's understandable and in some it's not. And I'm going to get to that in just a second here. So I'm going to, I'm going to pull out some storylines from the piece that I just posted. Again, that's at spotrack.com. Um, I tried to be as fair as possible here. Obviously some teams have been very active and there were a dozen players I could have pulled out on either side of that pendulum. But uh, in just a few moments, I will break down uh, kind of like my greatest hits from that piece and uh, some discussion points as well. But I, uh, I'm posting late today for a reason. Lamar Jackson has officially come forward and said that 25 days ago, he let the Baltimore Ravens know that he would officially like to get the hell out of town. Not his words, but <laughs> you know where we're going with this. Now, March 2nd, the date that he referenced in his tweet um, is obviously... 11 days before the tampering period starts, right? So essentially 13 days before the league year officially started. Now, he was offered the franchise tag at that point. It was the non-exclusive tag. Whether or not that impacted his decision or not remains to be seen. I'm sure somebody will ask him that question at some point in time. You know, what made you get to this thinking? There's a lot of reasons that I can think of, but I wonder if that's one of them. The lack of offer sheets, the obvious, we're not going to do Baltimore's work for them. And and by the way, that's all that was. Okay. We've talked collusion. We've talked about that mess. Don't get teams don't want Lamar Jackson confused with teams don't want to submit an offer sheet and do Baltimore's work for them. Two really different conversations that I'm not hearing enough about. There's a dividing line there. And, and that's what this is. And we've talked about this a lot with the NHL and, and even the NBA with Keith last week. It's really risky to put an offer sheet out there because you are essentially making some another team known that you think they can do their job better than they're doing it. And look, there's a, there's a brotherhood, a fraternity, you know, there, you, I hate to say it because it implicates a hell of a lot more things that come down the pipeline, you know, diversity and all that stuff. But there's a very tight knit relationship between the 32 owners of the NFL. Say it or leave it. That's what it is. It's a, it's a privilege to be there. And they kind of act that way a lot, as you might know. So when it comes to this stuff, this is just one of those hands-off situations. It's, a non, it's an unwritten rule that for now, that even if there's a star legitimate QB1 available, we're not going that route. That's collusion. You can say it out loud. I'll say it for you. But it's not about that we don't want Lamar Jackson. It's simply, we're not going to put Baltimore in that situation and we're not going to do their work for them. They should be able to hammer out a contract with the most important position in football, right? So uh, that's a, it's a nuanced conversation. But Lamar Jackson coming out here and saying, I want to be traded, you, you're, we're including everybody now, okay? Because the trade is completely separate from an offer sheet from the two first round picks. This is, 
This is a very you know parallel scenario here where the Atlanta Falcons, who were the first team out on the offer sheet, right, are certainly going to be back in this conversation if Baltimore puts them on the trade block. In my opinion, Baltimore's in, Tennessee's in, the Washington Commanders are in. I, the Jets have to be at least sniffing around this, and, and my guess is they knew this two and a half weeks ago, and it's at least part of their conversation for upgrading their quarterback position. The Patriots might be the favorites. They might be the favorites at the end of the day here. Um, and the list might go on. The 49ers, the, the Dolphins in their own rights could have interest, especially if it's a off-the-side trade, right? They're, they obviously can't get involved with the offer sheet yet because they don't have a 2023 first-round pick. This could drag into June. So you may they may become available for all entities at that point in time. I, I, I just want it to be clear that in my opinion, the teams that publicly twittered, you know, twittered themselves out on Lamar Jackson were not out on the player. They were out on the process. This is a different process. This is a process every team has utilized in every capacity. And we've seen a lot of franchise tag trades in our past. You know, Devontae Adams being the big one last year. This happens quite a bit. So we can, I think we can officially flip the conversation from franchise tag offer sheets to just flat out trades, just flat out trades. And whatever that, you know, constitutes or whatever it means is for all of you to debate. The big element here is the Baltimore Ravens knew about this 25 days ago. You know, and I put a snarky tweet out there saying they've done basically jack squat and free agency with that knowledge in hand. What else do they know? You know, what else have they known for 25 days? So Lamar Jackson makes that request. The front office has to react to it somehow, whether that's internally, whether that's with Lamar himself. You know, maybe everybody knows a little bit more than they're alluding on to here. But Baltimore has been stone cold that they are staying the course. And by the way, it's on brand, right? That's They have a way to operate and that's how they do their business. So I don't believe in my professional opinion of now, you know, almost two decades doing this stuff. I don't believe that Baltimore is going to bend. And by bend, I mean, allow him to play quarterback somewhere else this year. Even if the, the comp compensation being offered is phenomenal. Now somebody might blow it away. You know, my guess is there's a side of Lamar Jackson that wants this to look and smell and feel just like Deshaun Watson, right? Where there's four teams going crazy. And one of those teams decides we're going to have to blow the doors off this thing just to get Baltimore to pick up the phone because they don't want to do this. They want to drag this out. They want to have this player available to them because they don't have a plan B. So my guess is Lamar is putting the, the onus on the team to either buck up and do this and or has knowledge or hopes that there's a team out there that will really push the envelope, that will really go all in, whether that's contractually speaking, whether that's from a compensation package for Baltimore, all of it's going to have to you know, matter now. It's all going to have to be invested. Why? Because Baltimore's got to pick up the phone to trade him. And Lamar Jackson has to sign his franchise tag to be traded. He is officially under contract right now. He is an unofficial free agent, right? Because of the offer sheet, because of the whatever. He's got to sign his tag for anything to happen this year. Play football and or be traded. So all parties have to be involved on this. So, you know, it does nobody any good to come out here and rip the other side, you know, and, and Lamar, I thought Lamar's tweet today in reference to that March 2nd request was eloquent and well said, and he's already addressing the fans, which is the best approach, right? You want to, you want to bring the masses in with you and have them on your side. So I think that's a phenomenal approach from his regard. And, you know, Baltimore is going to do the same. Baltimore is going to 
gonna gonna stick to their guns and, and say all the right things. This is a phenomenal player that we want to continue our relationship with. We need, you know, we'd love to see him out there week one playing starting quarterback for the Baltimore Ravens. They're gonna continue to do that. Why? Because eventually, if they have to trade him, all they have to say is we were simply blown away with this offer and we couldn't refuse it. And, and we've done everything else to keep Lamar up to this point, but you know, Lamar. Lamar expressed distinct interest in leaving the organization. They're going to say that because they want to win the war. And then they're going to, you know, obviously be blown away by the compensation. That's what's ahead of us here. Do I think this is where we get to? I don't. <laughs> okay. Here's where, and I've already said it out loud. I think we get to a point where Lamar Jackson never signs his franchise tag and he starts forfeiting $1.8 million a league week starting in September. That's where I think this goes. I think Tyler Huntley is going to be the starting quarterback for the Baltimore Ravens. They probably know that already based on discussions that they've had. Now a lot can change. Multi-year offers can happen. You know, it's very, very possible that there's a four-year contract put out there that Lamar ends up signing and all of this goes away come July. I don't believe that's going to happen. I think Lamar is done negotiating with the Baltimore Ravens. And, uh, I don't, and I think that includes this franchise tag. So to me, the most likely scenario isn't a trade, isn't an extension, isn't an offer sheet. It's just a flat-out holdout. This tag never gets signed. And it's terrible for Lamar because all we're going to hear about is the money he's not making and the football he's not playing. You know, Le'Veon Bell went through this on a very smaller <laughs> landscape. I believe his tag was like $7 million that he forfeited at that point in time. Uh, I think it was a $14 million tag, but uh, somewhere around there. You know, I think he forfeited about half of it to, to stay away as long as he did at that point in time. And that's the last like notable franchise tag holdout into the season. I think we're headed there. You know, I just kind of reading the tea leaves that Lamar has been kind enough to share with us online. This was a final shot. This, this tweet thread today, this was a, this is all I have to give you. This is as good as I can do. I officially want to be out in a different situation. It's now on the Ravens to make that happen. And when they don't, I think Lamar is going to keep his foot down. So that's what I'm going to say about that. If there's any questions, about the contract, about the franchise tag. I'll throw this out there. It's possible that the Ravens can rescind this tag to get the cap off of their books and obviously the cash. I don't know why they do that, right? They have, they can certainly just trade him and at least get something back for him in that regard. Uh, so I, it's an option. I, I know I've seen it out there a few times. I didn't want to just leave it out, you know, leave it alone. It's possible. And we, I think the last one we saw was Josh Norman in Carolina where they've just pulled back and said, forget it, just walk, go, go sign wherever, wherever you want can't imagine that happens here. Um, but th those are the options. Those are the options. And again, Lamar has to sign the tag to be traded and the Baltimore Ravens obviously have to agree to the, to any kind of compensation to make that official. So I think we're a long way away from resolution here. That's for darn sure. The off season latest piece of the week for us, again, one addition, one subtraction, and a notable storyline, right? I kind of got cute with the storylines. Not a lot of information, more of like a tagline <laughs> that I'm associating with the team right now. Uh, for instance, you know, the, the Cowboys and the Bills, their tagline in this piece is exactly the same and it's still really good. I, I think that's, that's something we have to think about now. It's been two weeks. We're two weeks into this off season. Uh, obviously the first couple of hours are always crazy frantic and then it slows down and we have to sort of assess and digest. If you're looking at teams that were decent last year and a few that may be under, underachieved, and I put Dallas and Buffalo in that camp, have they really lost enough pieces to make you think that they're not going to be at least that level of com competitive this year? I, not in my book. 
And in fact, you know, the addition that the Bills have is Jordan Poyer, a player I didn't think was coming back from a football standpoint, and certainly not coming back on a one for seven. So I, I think it's easy to get caught up in all these other teams are doing all these things, right? The Houston Texans have signed 20 players and the Chicago Bears have added 11 new starters. And, you know, those are all facts, but, you know, quantity over quality, right? In some cases, quantity over quality. The Bills had quality. The Cowboys had quality. Uh, you know, there were some coaching changes. There's going to be some, you know, a different approach to certain things, in my opinion. It really, uh, you know, defensive for Buffalo and offensive for Dallas. And uh, I don't think you need to screw with the rosters too much. Yes, there's some holes on both. The Brandon Cooks trade is, is something I highlighted in this piece. It's probably a move that should have happened last November. And maybe they're in a different spot right now if he's already on that roster with four months of experience versus now coming into the offseason fresh with 12 million fully guaranteed left in this thing. So it's a bit of uh, a cat and mouse situation for some of these teams because I'm not going to give you even their, the top contract that they signed if I don't believe that that's the most impactful move, you know? For the Falcons, I did make it Jesse Bates, but I'm not sure that's the most impactful move they can make. And in fact, I actually noted it. I think bringing back three offensive linemen or extending the one that was on the fifth year option as well is more important than what Jesse Bates is going to offer them from a productivity standpoint over the next two seasons. They're not, they're not setting themselves up for either Desmond Ritter, a new quarterback coming in, a veteran quarterback coming in, right? All of the above. But to me, that was the most important situation that we could think about. I didn't just make this a March 13th to March 27th criteria either. Calvin Ridley is in this list, both for Jacksonville and for Atlanta. I think it's one of the most underrated moves of the past six months. And it could pay gigantic dividends, not only in the, for that team, but for that division as well uh, with Jacksonville. I, I, I want to note that. Obviously, the number one overall pick trade has been highlighted in this piece. And I don't think we're done with it. I'm not sure Carolina makes that pick. Maybe they make it and trade it. You know, the old NBA move, you put on the hat and then you end up playing for a different team the next day. I think there's a lot of options on the table. And the reason I say that is how early this trade was it was processed. It was an immediate trade. It's not like something that where the Bears tried to shop this thing around. Carolina overpaid out of the gate, you know, included DJ Moore, a player certainly on this list that uh, that just couldn't make the Bears say no. The Bears knew that this was exactly what they were looking for right now, which is immediate uh, an immediate weapon for Justin Fields and a reason to fortify his, his stature, at least in 2023, so they can get a fair shake at what the hell kind of player do we have here at the quarterback position and giving Carolina the ability to, to control their, their destiny with the quarterback position. So I, I, there's nothing you can hate about this pick, you know, outside of giving up four draft picks to move up. And, uh, and have this control. But if you're Carolina and you've been swinging and missing for so long, uh, you know, ever since Cam kind of declined, I don't, I don't know how you argue any, any side of this equation. I do have a few quarterbacks here. I didn't do Derek Carr. I didn't do Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, the, but, you know, I didn't do Daniel Jones. I didn't do Geno Smith because I think for a lot of that, it's exactly what we thought it was going to be. You know, I think if you could take odds on Jimmy Garoppolo going to Vegas six months ago, it would have been terrible odds because it just made a little bit too much sense and it ended up working out exactly like we thought. I've got a couple of coaches that I'm highlighting here. For instance, Nathaniel Hackett is my big Jets edition. Now, there were a hell of a lot of Jets editions, you know, and the, and the big one probably hasn't processed yet, as you know. But this is the one that I think sealed the deal for not just 
Aaron Rodgers eventually, but I think a bunch of these former Packers that really like their time with Hackett running the offense. And that's what he's going to do here. He's not the head coach. That was obviously the, the wrong decision. And, uh, and that didn't work out anyway. If, if the plan was for Denver to hire Nathaniel Hackett because he was going to bring Aaron Rodgers with him, I don't know where that got lost in translation, but it did. Actually, I can tell you where it got lost in translation. Three years, $105 million guaranteed. That's where it got lost in translation. Um, but that's, I think that's the biggest Jets move they could have made right now is fortifying an offensive coordinator, A, with good experience, with playoff experience, and that comes with a reputation and pedigree that's going to bring in the kind of people that you need immediately right now to win ballgames. So he makes the list. Um, a couple of subtractions that I think are damaging, you know, flat out damaging. Ben Powers leaving the Baltimore Ravens. It's the only player I noted for Baltimore because obviously the Lamar stuff is its own entity. I, if you know that you already have, you know, dishevelment at the quarterback position and you've got a bunch of running backs that can't stay healthy and you don't have the offensive talent that, where you can just spread out and go and keep everybody kind of simple and safe. I know Ben Powers was a late bloomer, but he ended up with two for 27 guaranteed in Denver, a, a team that already broke the bank on Mike McGlinchey, who's obviously on this piece as well. You know, Denver went all in, but 13 and a half million over two years for an interior lineman is not elite pay. So if you're saying he's not an elite guard, we shouldn't be considering paying him money. You're not paying elite money here. Okay, that's what the free agent value for Ben Powers was when there were probably four teams in. Good teams too. Good teams. So I, I, it's just another situation where I think Baltimore sat on their hands too long here. And that's a player at a position where he shouldn't be considering moving on right now for the age, for the, for the value that he ended up signing to. That one I think is going to be damaging. I wish the Falcons still had Calvin Ridley. I really do. Um, I understand Drake London is in this process now. Um, you know, obviously Kyle Pitts when healthy is going to be a massive weapon in this league for a long time, but whether it's Ritter, whether it's Lamar Jackson, whether it's a drafted quarterback, obviously you want to have what you can have and, and, and Ridley on one for 11, non-guaranteed now because of the suspension, obviously not going to break your bank if you're the Atlanta Falcons with cap space. So here's the return for those who forget, right? It's, it's, it's a fifth round pick this year. That's locked in because he's been reinstated. That was the condition on that pick. So they're getting a 2023 fifth Atlanta. There's a pick in 2024 that has a bunch of conditions. Um, it starts at a fourth. If he makes the team, he's going to make the team. It becomes a third based on playing time. So let's assume he plays 60% of the snaps this year. I don't have the exact numbers. I'm going to locate those as soon as possible. My guess is it's around the 60% mark, maybe, maybe upwards of 75%. If that happens and he basically plays a normal season for the Jacksonville Jaguars, it becomes a third round pick next year. If they extend him, and again, I need I need a time timeline on that. Is it do they extend him before he before free agency? Most likely. Um, if that happens, it becomes a second round pick. Now, is there language in there? This is fascinating to me, by the way. We don't see these kind of conditions built in often, so I'm going to expand a little bit. Is there a condition in there that says? that the franchise tag is considered an extension. Because if I'm Jacksonville, I'm working with Calvin Ridley and I'm saying, look, we're going to keep you. We're going to extend you. But if we can kind of skirt around this condition in your, in your contract that says, if you are not under long, you know, extension, 
on at the start of the 2024 league year, then we, this thing turns into a second for us. We're just going to tag you. We'll make the draft pick and we'll extend you before July 15th. My guess is Atlanta has done their homework on that. I just wanted to say it out loud because it's something that I thought of that maybe got lost in translation in this November trade, right? It feels like it's forever ago. So I'll work to figure out those actual details of the, of the conditions. But long story short, there's a world, maybe a, a pretty safe world where Atlanta gets a fifth this year and a second next year for a player basically on an expiring contract. If we look at it that way, pretty nice value, pretty nice return for Calvin Ridley. But he's also the exact kind of player I think you want on this roster right now. And uh, they haven't replaced them. They're, they're going simple and, and, and cheaper, Matt Collins, things like that. I'm guessing there's another third, second or third round pick coming here at that position. But I could be wrong. Maybe they're a year away from adding weapons like that and they want to see what they have in Ritter and, and certainly fortify that defense as much as possible, which they've done in free agency. A couple of other standouts. Chauncey Gardner-Johnson joins the Detroit Lions. Detroit's made a lot of great moves this offseason, honestly, the past two offseasons. And, uh, you know, my tagline for them right now is the corner has been turned. Yes, Rodgers is leaving. Justin Fields is a maybe. You know, there's a lot of discontent in that division. And I think Detroit is is easily moving forward in, in a better direction. Minnesota's on basically a one-year all-in situation with Cousins and honestly with Justin Jefferson, too if they don't figure that out on the fly. So I, I think that Detroit getting a player like CJG, CJJ on a one-year 6.5 showcase deal, right? He picked them. That, that's a huge deal for Detroit. That's a huge deal. Okay, you go to a showcase, you take a showcase contract with legit contenders, right? That's why the Chiefs get these players. That's why the Cowboys continue to get these players. The Rams got a bunch of these players the past couple of seasons. The Buccaneers got a couple of these players you know, in their major massive window of contention. What it says to the rest of the league is Detroit's actually got clout here. They've got clout that they've been able to sign four or five named free agents, including one that didn't get the price he wanted and decided, I want to play for the team I want to play for, and I'm willing to take an incentive-laden one-year deal to do it. I think it's a big deal for Detroit. Now, the subtraction I have for them is Jamal Williams. And you can sit here and, and refute me and say, David Montgomery is going to be a hell of a running back. And I agree with you. But I think they're two very different running backs. And what Jamal Williams was able to do is not easy to find. Okay, He's the punch it in 12, 10 to 12 touchdown guy that a lot of teams are desperate for in the red zone. Okay, that You just don't have that. Now, the Saints certainly see value in that, right? That's Taysom Hill's contract. That's a lot of con Mark Ingram's two or three runs with them was simply for that kind of production. Williams is going to be that guy. And I realize he's going on 28 years old and uh, he shouldn't be a a risky loss for anybody. But I hope Detroit has a plan in place to replace those touchdowns because they're not as easily to come by as you might think. I mentioned Houston. This is the second straight offseason. I've written a piece that includes Houston adding volume because that's what they're doing, right? And I don't blame them. There's no reason outside of your left tackle, which they just locked up tons into a historic deal. There's no reason to put anybody on a massive contract right now because there's just so many unknowns. There's a ton of unknowns. Now, I think they're headed in a good direction. And this is a team that I, I could see winning six, seven ball games this year if, if some of these things hit. But if you look at their free agent table, it's, a, it's another 25 players with 75% of them on one-year deals and the rest of them on two-year deals that are actually one-year guarantees. So it's all, we just want to see what we can do, throw baloney at the wall, however you want to say it. It's the exact conversation we had last year. And there's going to be a brand new you know, shiny quarterback put in here that I think can elevate 
some of these these veterans that they've signed, and that's obviously the plan. We're gonna we're gonna instantiate an offensive line. We've got a a, a, a halfway decent defensive line. If we have a quarterback who can make people around him better, and, and I think that they're gonna make that pick, we'll be able to figure out and identify who who, who belongs, who belongs, who should be staying here, and uh, it'll make our not only 2023's regular season, but the off season, right? You get this quarterback in, you put him through mini camp, you put him through spring train or, or training camp, excuse me. And you start to see where the chemistry is starting to develop immediately. And then that, that helps with roster cuts. That certainly helps with how the in-season you know, playmaking is going to go. And certainly helps with things like trade deadline and how to immediately push this, push this franchise forward. I have, I have faith in Houston where I, I had none two years ago. I think they've done back-to-back off-seasons of doing their due diligence, understanding how this thing works. Yeah, they're tanking. And you know, the, not having the number one pick now is a bit of a travesty and I'm not going to kill them for it because I think they got put in that situation on purpose. But I, I like the approach. I like the approach of giving veterans decent jobs, letting them do their thing. Essentially, it's a showcase for them too, right? How many former Houston Texans now are going to find jobs at, on, in better organizations because they went through the rigor with one of the worst teams in football on a one-year contract. It's not a bad spot to be in. My point is they're not just throwing a bunch of rookies out there and being bad on purpose. So I like the approach. A couple more, and then we'll get out of here. Eric Hendricks joining the Los Angeles Chargers. The Los Angeles Chargers have been eerily quiet thus far. And I realize that it's probably because a Herbert contract is coming. My guess is he's coming before Burrow, before Hertz and all that. And uh, I wouldn't be shocked if that's a Friday news dump that we have a 300 million ish contract extension for Justin Herbert with 205 million guarantee, whatever the hell it's going to be. Um, so that's my guess is that the, the resources are being allocated already, but it's not making the roster better. Let's put it that way. Uh, Kendricks was a kind of a gift because of the cap casualty situation in Minnesota. He's the only player that they've brought in this offseason from a new team. Everybody else has been re-signed internally, which isn't the worst thing. You know, it's a good squad. And the idea of Kendricks with Bosa and Mack as sort of a triangle in the middle of that defense, that's real nice. That's, that's very nice. But I'm hoping for more. That's all I'm saying. You know, are they going to be in this third wave of free agency? Are they identifying some trade candidates that might be out there? Or are they going to sit this out and get better during camp and things like that when the roster cards start to hit? And they can bring in some cap casualties at that point in time. So a little bit underwhelmed there. Uh, Seattle is my last team. I my tagline for them is operating in parallel worlds. Let me explain. They are single-handedly, and it's one hundred percent because of the Russell Wilson trade and the success they were able to have from it. They are operating as a team that thinks they can contend this year in their division, and rightfully so. And as a team that thinks they can completely flip this roster in a year and a half, and rightfully so. They have the perfect draft setup right now where they brought in Draymond Jones. They brought back Geno Smith. Okay. That's an edge rusher and a, and a QB one, both positions of need right now, maybe more so at the edge rusher. Either of those positions can be taken at number five. Either of those positions can be taken at number 20. And, and you can continue to go on and on and on, right? There, there are a lot of opportunities for Seattle to now backfill with youth on a rookie contract. They've got 5, 20, 37, and 52. Okay. That's, a, 
ridiculous amount of draft capital. And by the way, that number five pick is going to be primed for a trade down. You know, if the right person falls past Arizona, past Indy, obviously, right? That's a trade down situation. So we may be talking about five picks in the top 60 or so when it's all said and done. That's where you replenish your holes right there. Now they've done their homework and they've, they've made two impact signings this off season, you know, and, and, and both of them are one year deals. And you can say that's really everybody. It's not everybody. All right. There are some names on this list that are here because they got a three-year guarantee, something that's getting more and more rare, but the Draymond Jones contract is basically one for 23. That's a big number, right? That 23 million in year one guaranteed, that's how you get a player is you front load the hell out of it and make it more impactful right now than any other team in football can do. Done. Geno Smith got overpaid. You know, he's not, that's not the player he is. And instead of putting him on a franchise tag, you simply put the opportunity for him to make more in a three-year contract. But really, it's exactly the one-year salary that you wanted to give him at 27 and change. So you bring in two, you fill two positions of need with players you trust and leave yourself completely wide open to draft a player and slot that player into a big role in 2024 or in 2025 if you have to. That's the beauty of operating side by side from yourself. Okay. Go and contend with the roster that you're ready for to have and use the rewards you've been given for trades, for smart business to replenish that pool immediately after. It's what the good teams do. It's how they stay relevant. So I think that Seattle's not getting talked about enough as a premium franchise that was able to move on from their quarterback at the probably a year late, but still at the right time. How can you say anything wrong? This worked out perfectly for them. And they are about to flip this thing over into what I think is a even better 2023 year than last year and possibly set themselves up to be even better in 2024 because of draft picks they can make in, that coincide with free agent signings that they've already made. It's just great business. And um, I, I try to make note of good GM work as much as possible. I'm trying to stay positive, not negative as much as possible on this show. I've, I've had much more positives coming out of Seattle than I've had negatives. They've had some swings and misses. You know, the Jamal Adams situation, which is still there for two more years, that's a black, that's a black mark on their, on their resume. There's no question about it. He's just never going to put up the, the trade compensation and or the contract compensation that they assumed he could be. But they got a lot of wins. And in my opinion right now, they're one of those teams at the top of this list. I don't do grades. You know, I don't do 32 team grade pieces. But I think they're winning. And they're not done. They're only half done, right? End of April with this draft. They have a chance to really, really pile on what could be a two, three-year window of really good success in a division that's tough. But they're going to hang. No question about it. All right. That piece is now live on spotchat.com. I will have plenty more to say and write about Lamar as more com- becomes available. But... Um, just to recap where I stand with that, I think we're headed for a holdout, not an extension, not a trade, not a tra- tag rescind, just a flat old boring holdout, which is the worst because unfortunately it's negative. It's, it's, it's a money conversation that I don't want to be involved with, but of course I will be happy to answer any questions at Spotrek on Twitter. We will continue to fill in the blanks as much as possible on these NFL salary caps, which range currently from 38 million for the bears to 1.3 million for the Vikings. We're going to have a show about the Vikings soon, and I will have some local beat reporters on from that Minnesota area because this team is interesting as hell. They may still be the division favorites after Rodgers is traded and blah, 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 and then they might fall off a cliff. So that's fascinating to me, right? That's where the Rams just were. The Buccaneers are going to be 
That's fascinating to me. Can they get them, themselves a, a strong enough roster to, to fully compete in 2023 before they really have to rip this thing up? And, and by the way, Kirk Cousins has essentially said this with a lack of extension that the time to rip things up is going to be after this 2023 season. So that's a, that's on my radar. Um, obviously, the quarterback conversations are on my radar, Lamar and Aaron Rodgers, but also the Herbert contract, the, the Hertz contract, the Burrow situation. Those are all coming down the pipeline. But as I mentioned, flipping the switch to baseball as quickly as possible here. We'll have some opening day payrolls, projected tax payrolls, over-under win totals, some extension candidates as we head into the season, a couple of players that made rosters that interest Cousin Dan, things like that. So that'll be coming up in a couple of days here, but this is a uh, maybe one final free agency recap podcast from the NFL. I promise I'll be a little bit more specific as we target some of these teams specifically going forward down the stretch. For Scott Allen, my name is Mike Janetti. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Spot Track Podcast. 